legends once told of a podcast lost now in the sea of time. These ancient recordings spoke of games and the arcane art of HTML5. Today, Jeff Blair and Matt Hackett bring these words back to life. It is Lost Cast, and may your ears receive it. Welcome to Lost Cast, episode 55. I am Matt Hackett. And I'm Horse Blair. Horse Blair, there he is. Wondering, wondering nope. where Horse Blair was. Actually, I'm not horse today. So, so far. So far. Um, give That's it time. Right. You just need to talk for an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> so last week was a super cool episode of Lost Cast. It was the Tim Fallen episode. Um, which that was a lot of fun, actually. I really enjoyed that. Um, I'm not as into the music side of things as you are, but right. uh, actually, I really got interested in his work and the things he was doing. Yeah, uh, because of that. He's. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of different musicians in the world, you know, and he's not the kind who like uh, cares as much about the musicianship and the instrumentation of it and stuff. You know, he's not sitting here playing guitars all day, and he just wants to make music in any medium that he can, for example. You know, like, he strikes me as an engineer who happens to be really good at, <laughs> like, really, really good at making music, you know? Yeah, well, he's kind of a self-described jack-of-all-trades, so it yeah. seems like he just has interests across the board, and music is one of them, and, you know, lighting and film and story and stuff are all things that yeah. he's interested in. And, and I can apparently totally... Apparently HTML5. Yeah, and HTML5, it's awesome. I, I can totally relate, of course, because I've got a bunch of interests and it's like you know it's taken this long into my life for me to focus all of my energies into games which (laughs) i don't know if i didn't focus i would just be sucky at a whole bunch of things and my goal here is to be less sucky at games only (laughs) continue to be sucky at everything else Uh, well there's that you know that old saying uh jack of all trades master of none there it is yes although i kind of don't really agree with that no i think that you can be a jack of all trades and a master of some yeah 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 you know like uh i would say that like you know we're pretty good at like we're we're masters of javascript i won't say we're masters of game development but like we have certain specialties where we're extremely proficient but we also have like a lot of things we can do on the side yeah in a jack of all trades style and i mean there's people like you know notch made minecraft single-handedly and that requires a lot of skills in a lot of different areas and like um one person i admire is the director robert rodriguez because he does everything he produces he writes he directs he scores he writes the own, wow. his own music for his movies uh, if you're not familiar that's it's stuff like um uh, El Mariachi, he did, uh, recently he did, um, oh, Sin City. Oh, yes. And uh, the one that was a lot like that, that just, oh, Machete. Oh, man, I love Sin City. Anyway, he's one of those guys who, who does it all and really effectively, you know. But, I mean, that would be kind of a lousy uh, expression, right? Um, like, uh, an expression tends to need to exaggerate a little bit. Right, to yeah. To get its well, point to, across. Yeah, it's trying to make a point. Right. Anyways, um, uh, it was a very great interview, so check it out, yeah. Lostcast 54. I uh, I probably made the interview more stuttery sounding than it uh, did. <laughs> uh, I used a gate to kind of reduce the noise that was happening um, in the, the silent areas. It was a little bit weird for us because it was the first time that we've had an interview. Uh, where, like, Tim sent us his own audio, and that was mm-hmm. pretty cool, and that made things a lot easier on our end. Uh, but I think I went a little bit too far with the gate, and I may have introduced a, a stuttery sound, so my apologies for that. Um, but you know it's a process. Every interview will hopefully be better and better, and in ten years yes. we'll have like these pristine interviews. They're flawlessly executed, or something. Well, whenever there's you know someone else's hardware and stuff involved, you know there's just nothing, not much we can do. Yeah. In other words, I am full of excuses. That's right. <laughs> so uh, it's been a couple of weeks, and we've been doing a lot of work on the game. So we're going to do yeah. another uh, Wizards Lizard Change Log episode there's been a lot of uh bigger changes recently so it's we'll have some interesting design stuff to talk about yeah we have been keeping a lot of pressure on this uh on our must lists and um we are defeated it has been we are defeated yeah we're defeated (laughs) currently i mean we're we'll we'll, we'll get there but like we wanted to we wanted to have our must list finished by uh last week and we're uh nowhere near that 
No. Yeah, it's it's a constant struggle to just keep your head above water sometimes. Yeah. I think we're going to get all the musts done like just in time for the release. And that's just yeah, the musts. So. So that's not talking about the like 100 or so strong shoulds. And some of them are like, wow, you guys should really fix that. Like, you know, notice the wording there. <laughs> should. You should really get on that. <laughs> yes. Well, I think that we were talking about this the other day uh, with Greg, our biz dev marketing guy. Yep. Um, and I think that something that we need to keep in mind is that the launch isn't like the end of life of development for the game, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think a lot of the things that are shoulds would make great, you know, oh, you know, here's a 1.1 update with like some things we should have done yeah. before launch. <laughs> yeah, and we were talking too about like um, we want to keep the interest in the game because like we, we know we're not going to have the biggest launch ever, you know, it's... <laughs> It's it's not going to be a huge hit in the first week and blah blah blah. Like we don't have um, it's not it's not going to be Grand Theft Auto Five. How about that? It might be. <laughs> sure. It might break all PC game selling records in its first week. I, I suppose that that is not completely impossible. Although I would say yeah. it's improbable. <laughs> <laughs> Highly. Highly improbable. <laughs> that is my data analysis. Um. But yeah, we want to, uh, I mean, given that we're not going to have the hugest splash immediately, to get the most out of all this work that we've done, we want to keep the interest going for a while. We want to do some live streaming. Um, we want to do a lot of updates. We want to be writing a bunch of articles about the process and what needs to be improving and like what kind of changes we're making. And long story short, <coughs> pardon me, long story short, is we're going to keep working on it for a while. Right. Um, probably not full time, but at least a bit. And there's certainly a lot that still needs to be done. So, um, anyway, so we're going to get right into the changes. If I can find my ticket. So, uh, we bumped up the pentacle health back to 50% health because um, we made a change where the pentacle actually disappears after you have been resurrected. Yeah, so now it's more of a strategic use. So, it it feels like it needs a little bit more of a, a benefit. It's a good example about how design needs to be iterated on a lot because when we first introduced it, it was uh, to solve a problem, which was we need people, we, we need to give players a way to come back from the dead. So we introduced a pinnacle where you can come back from the dead, no problem, but there's a, a delay. Like it's basically a time cost for you, which is pretty much negligible. You just stand on it for a couple seconds and there you go. And that was overpowered because it was pretty much just infinite health. If, like, if you died, or even if you were you were alive, but you had like half health, you kind of want to just kill yourself and then resurrect because there was no right. downside. So oh, it, had, it had another time cost too with regards to like having to backtrack if you weren't near it, if you needed it. That's true. So it kind of introduced this really weird situation where like people would want to like go kill the boss and then backtrack all the way to the pinnacle to use it to heal the full, like you were just about to say. Yeah, and it made good sense in the game to do that. Like it was best for your, for your session, but it wasn't real fun to experience. So we saw a problem there. Um, and the first uh, stab we took at fixing that was, it felt kind of like a band-aid, I guess. So we were like, all right, so it doesn't heal you completely. It gives you 25% health. And then we made another change where you only get one uh, resurrection, which I think makes a lot more sense anyway, because like, we don't really intend for people to be using it much at all. Because mm-hmm. um, it's kind of a fallback, right? I mean, it's, a, it's basically... Um, it's basically a difficulty nerf, but the, the, there's also the like multi-step quest stuff built in. So like you could you know be dead and you can do something in the game that you can only do dead, and then come back to life. And now you can do stuff you can only do in the game while alive. So yeah. Yeah. You know, along those lines, I was actually thinking that we might want to put a second pentacle in the cemetery. In the cemetery, why? Just as like uh, to make it a little easier. Since it's like, cause so you have two chances in the cemetery and yeah. then after that you only have one ever. Veto. I don't know. Veto. But that's fine. <laughs> it's just something that occurred to me is it might be interesting. Yeah. Um, I think the cemetery is feeling pretty good. I actually went through recently and I did a, uh, a difficulty audit. Um, it's really hard to say, you know, like I felt like the difficulty, f- <laughs> it, difficulty is so nebulous and so um, subjective, you know, like there's forever going to be people who play it and say it's way too hard. They can never beat it in a million years. And there's also going to be some people who play it and think it's too easy. Like they beat it in the first or second sit down, you know? Yeah. That's the problem with games. Just, I mean, almost any kind of game has this problem. There's, there's a huge 
gap between skill levels, right? Yeah. And especially in a game that requires like manual dexterity, uh, it's just there's always going to be that gap. Yeah, <clears throat> it's kind of something that reminds me of. Uh, it's kind of a tangent, but uh, with regards to our tutorial, um, the kind of people that are going to enjoy this game are going to be people that pretty much already know how to play twin stick shooters. Yeah, you were talking because if you to, don't, it's uh, going to be frustrating you were talking from e, uh, to ian from magical time being and he was saying that right right yeah yeah I mean, it made a lot of sense to me at the time because uh, i had just finished working on this like very elaborate tutorial uh and it kind of struck me like that that was very true because uh you know all the tutorial in the world really is not going to prepare someone for going to the cemetery the first time if you're not comfortable yeah. with twin stick shooters there isn't but you need to give people the bare minimum uh, information what they need to play the game. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But it, it, sh- it should be just about, like, here's the buttons you need to use. Have fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that is enough. Like, you're not going to sit there and explain, like, okay, you need to be moving while attacking, and sometimes you don't want to attack because you might be in a situation where that's bad. Like, it could cause something to blow up or cause an enemy to attack you or whatever. Like, we're not going to explain every step of the way. We just... We basically give you the tools you need to complete the game. Um... And there's something to keep in mind, too. Like, we have built this to be a hardcore game. It's not intended for casual game players. Um, it is meant to be difficult. It is meant to test your gaming skills. Right. So that, that But it's still hard to, to gauge difficulty because we yeah. play it so much. And, like, and even the people that give us the most feedback, like, they play it a lot. Yeah. And so they're biased uh, in the sense of difficulty. You know, they're, yeah. they know the game inside and out, and it, it's tough to evaluate. So our, our wonderful, wonderful forum people um, have been uh, talking with the difficulty and they've just been giving us great lists of bugs and suggestions and all kinds of stuff for, for weeks now. It's, it's completely wonderful. I do kind of wonder, though, with the recent um, notes about the decreased difficulty, because uh, like the sampling that that, that that feedback comes from, they're all people who are playing it on a weekly basis. So it's like their skill level must be increasing. And like, right. here's the one of the hardest things that I find about um, trying to look at your own difficulty um, clear of context, like to trying to remove your own education from the game, because it's like, I feel like I'd be able to execute what I want to in the game, regardless of knowing anything about the game at all. But there's knowledge of the enemy behavior that plays a large role in what I'm going to be doing when I'm executing stuff in the game. Right. So it's like, I come into the crypt and I can, I can play it very well. I, I, I can kill the monsters. I can avoid most of the traps. I know what I'm doing. I've got a plan. But if I came in not knowing that you know arrow traps fire out of the walls and not knowing that sappers run at you until they explode, not knowing that minotaurs throw weapons in a V shape so you want to stand right in the middle to avoid it, all that education that you have about the game is really important. And that's, to me, the hardest thing to separate yourself from. Right, yeah. To put you in someone else's shoes who doesn't know the behavior of a dire bat. Stuff like that, you know? Anyway, difficulty is hard. <laughs> difficulty is difficult. Difficulty is difficult, yes. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, That's the theme of the day. So you did a bunch of sewer hag work. I did, yeah. I'm actually uh, pretty happy with how sewer hag is turning out. Um, might see some more kind of like timing tweaks and things like that, but... Um, the behavior I think is getting pretty interesting. I think we talked about this a little bit before, but we started with the lurker as a base, and that was a really interesting design um, thing for me because we were kind of talking it out, and I had some ideas, and then I don't remember how we got to it, but uh, it kind of like you said something, and I was like, oh, like the sewer boss could just be a lurker like at its core, and then just take that and extend it and make it more interesting, which I really like because it kind of builds on you know, previous knowledge and also builds on existing game systems, right? Because, like, instead of making new slime pools for the sewer hag to, like, pop in and out of, we just kind of reused all the existing lurker behavior and code and stuff that we had before and polish. Right. I think... Um, Go ahead. I was say, anyways, I was talking about the behaviors, but you sound like you're going to say something. Well, now you put me on the spot. I better have something epic to say. You better. I think you are a fool. It's probably true. Take that. Um, <laughs> I think the best bosses are ones that kind of... It's like a test. You know, you have this class that teaches you X, Y, Z, and then you have a test 
um, that's kind of comprehensive of all that stuff, you know? Pop quiz. Pop quiz, hot shot. Right. Um, <laughs> and so it's like in the cemetery, eh, I don't know, we haven't done a, it's not a real elegant ramp up, you know, we, we didn't do that much work of um, planning out the mechanics and making sure that they're like a, on like a staircase of difficulty and stuff. We mostly just kind of threw stuff in the game, moved it around and, you know, played it a lot until it felt pretty good. But that would be the goal eventually, I think, is that, like, say the first dungeon or whatever teaches you the mechanics of, you know, moving and attacking. And then out of those basic things, the boss tests you in those mechanics. And then your second level teaches you, you know, depending on what your game has. Like, in the in the example of a wizard's lizard, it would be, like, you know, more about item management and more about states, like frozen and poison and stuff. And like, we do that a little bit. Like, the sewer... If nothing else, the sewer is harder than the cemetery because most of the traps and monsters poison you. And right. poison is just, you know, you're worse off when you're poisoned than if you're not poisoned. I think that uh, we do a pretty good job of that, uh, a decent job, um, because like, the cemetery boss kind of, or the cemetery kind of teaches you the basics, which is like move away from bad things right. and don't step on graves because they'll make your life harder. <laughs> right. And uh, that's kind of like, everything about the cemetery boss he kind of you know he has very he, he kind of takes that to the next level where it's like okay here's one monster with a lot of health who has various ways of attacking you right you know he might attack you head on or he might swing around in a circle or he might you know summon ads and so you kind of get like the moving and the dodging and then the the basic triage which is like okay the boss spawns ads and then you need to kill them right because it'll just make your life easier yeah uh and then the other basic premise which is like don't step on traps because it'll make your life even harder than it already is. Right. Uh, and I, then I think the sewer kind of takes that to the next level where um, it's kind of like the boss isn't attackable all the time. So you kind of have this like you have to be targeted with your attacks. And the boss has like, you know, it, uh, the sewer boss is actually very movement-based. Yeah. Uh, so the basic premise is that it's kind of a lurker-style enemy and it comes up and down through these various uh, pools in the room. And whenever it comes up, it shoots at you. And one of the things I added very last was the um, uh, the projectile behavior, which I think is kind of interesting. Uh, when it comes up, it shoots one, and then it waits, and it shoots two in the V. And then it waits, and it shoots three, like a triple dagger style. Uh, so it's kind of like a one, two, three combo. Yep. Um, and you have to dodge. And, and it's interesting because each of those patterns requires you to move, right? Yeah. So you have to move because one's head on, and then the V you can kind of split, yep. but then you can't stay there for the triple again. Right. So that's pretty interesting. Um, <clears throat> and then when the boss goes down, it spawns all these mushrooms yeah. uh, into the room, which is pretty interesting. The mushrooms are a fun trap because they're kind of like the graves in the sense that you don't want to get near them, but they're a little more tricky to deal with. Right. Because uh, where the graves only hurt you if you step on them directly, uh, the mushrooms will hurt you one, when you get too close, and two, uh, when you kill them. Right. Uh, and the encounter is designed in such a way where you almost have to be killing mushrooms because it's a small-ish arena. Right. And um, my kind of f- goal with that encounter was to make it a little bit more like death by attrition or like you have to juggle. Uh, it doesn't feel like the zombies in the Warlord encounter are that hard to juggle. You know, it's like, Attack, 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 dodge the attacks, kill the zombies when they're up, and they're pretty easy. Rinse, repeat. Right. Um, whereas with this one, it's more like, you know, the boss pops up, dodge the attacks, weave in and out, kill, and then when it goes down, you really have to be on the ball, killing and dodging uh, the spore projectiles Yeah. on the mushrooms. The uh, the mushrooms are a lot harder to manage, definitely, than the zombies. Because yeah. they're not Plus even... They poison. Yeah, plus they're poison. They're not even hazards themselves. You can walk into them. You can do all kinds of stuff. It's just like... The triaging process is pretty interesting when I'm playing um, the sewer hag. I thought it might be too difficult at first, but then I kind of like... Like, I think with any good boss encounter, you figure it out. And what I figured out was you need to kind of just generally have a path, like in a a big circle, um, around the center pool. And I clear those mushrooms out, and I just kind of keep my distance from them. I just attack, attack, and I run away is, is basically what I want to do. Um, mm-hmm. The whole time, you have to manage the sewer spouts because they can mess you up at any moment. Um, and then aside from that, what I do is I, I make a beeline for wherever the sewer hag pops out of the puddles. 
and then I just uh, I get off to one side, and then when she attacks me, I just go I, I like rotate maybe like a forty five degree or so uh, rotation away from her, and then I just toggle back and forth. It's kind of the same way I handle uh, crystal encounter, only it's a lot harder because in the crystal encounter I'm kind of like on this little linear strip, but in the mm-hmm. sewer hack encounter you've got to be all over the place. Yeah, because the boss kind of moves around. Yeah, really fun. Yeah, though. it's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm really happy. So yeah, I'm happy with the way that turned out. Uh, you know. <laughs> What? I just said the exact. Like, I think I think I said the same thing. You did word for word. Oh, <laughs> it's like I'm really happy with how that turned out. <laughs> that didn't even work. Either. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that uh, you thought it was too hard at first, and then you kind of feel like you got. That's, you have a plan for that's it now. Like perfection. that's a good. Yes. Yeah, that's a good place to be. And now that I've figured it out or whatever, I am worthless as a subject with which to test that encounter, and I'm I'm kind of figuring that out you know like about, about the like sewer for example because like i went back yesterday and i played it and i'm like i don't know man like it's pretty easy for me but i can see how this would be really hard if i didn't know all these tricks <laughs> that i've got just by having experienced this so i don't know i just i kind of tightened i tightened the, the numbers and then, I, and then yep. I shipped it i don't know it's interesting to think about though too because even when we're testing in isolation, uh, it's hard to gauge the actual difficulty because we don't often start at the very beginning of the game. Yeah. And I think it was interesting when we live streamed uh, two weeks ago or whatever that like we both died in the sewer. So, I mean, we're both sitting here saying like, oh, we're so good at the sewer and like <laughs> so easy and like, you know, we don't know if it's difficult or not. But like really, uh, both of us died multiple times trying to complete the sewer in uh, the live stream. So, yeah, I think that says something. It does. Um, I am I am Mr. Excuses today, so my excuses are as follows. Uh, for one, my computer was really <laughs> sluggish, so I was getting mm. like I was playing at twenty to thirty frames per second, which is pretty rough in a yeah, wizard's rough, yeah. And then, um, also just being put on the spot, knowing people are watching you, is always like I can play the game right. great if uh, if no <laughs> if no one's watching. <laughs> I swear. Well, imagine if you were trying to play Spunky and do a hell run while you were like chatting and like listening to me yap. Oh, that's and, like, true. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be like, shut up, Jeff, shut up. Man, sometimes when I used to play Left 4 Dead with buddies, that was um, that was a really intense experience because it's like you're doing so much at the same time. I don't know. I think I'm the kind of person who gets a little too intense and I, I get like bossy or like, <laughs> I don't know. Being an introvert, I just, I, I also, not just the, the communication of people that I have to juggle, but also their emotional states. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was exhausting. <laughs> Um, You're like, how does this guy feel about what I just said? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, Anyways. That's a hard one. I don't know how to... The, the, the difficulty gauging is, is really difficult. Right. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. Anyways, uh, long story short, uh, it's feeling pretty good. So, you know, really the next major piece, uh, the next major boss is going to be the end boss. So that, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I did a bunch of work on the cemetery boss um, after you did a bunch of work on the cemetery boss. So Hooray. I was polishing the rough edges, of which there were many, many rough edges. Many. Jeff, you are a you are a messy man. Hey, that's what I do. There was like, uh, let's see, what did I do? There was like, um, when he would enter certain phases, there would be no warning. And so, for example, uh, the so the zombie warlord, he'll start off, and he kind of runs towards you, and then he attacks, and he shoots out this spike ball, right? So actually, mm-hmm. I, I'll just walk through his behaviors and tell you what I did. So now, when he throws his spike ball and it hits a wall, it explodes, because that's awesome. It's okay. It doesn't what? really make a lot of thematic sense. Why not? Spike ball hits the wall, and it's like... Maybe. You don't like it? I don't know. I don't, I don't dislike it. It's just, wow. why would it explode? It's not explosive. Like, like a giant, a giant metal thing hitting a wall like maybe if you're near that it's gonna like shards of rock shoot out and metal it's true i guess it's more of like a impact it's like an impact and less of an explosion yeah well i mean i use this explosion as yeah i mean i would probably reskin it as an impact somehow maybe shards shoot out like little projectiles or something but but hey the multi-purpose explosion exactly um so <laughs> you then you want a critical strike explosion that's right. Yeah, that's how I solve problems, Jeff. I explode it. There's <laughs> <laughs> not enough polish here. Hmm. Better put an explosion. That's, <laughs> that's, right. that's becoming. I said that's kind of a joke at first, but that's becoming pretty true. That's <laughs> true. Better blow it up. Anyways, no, I, I I think it's fine. Um, so then the uh the his, in his next phase he enters what's called the whirlwind, where he um 
he starts spinning. He'll he'll throw out there. He's he's got a spike ball, spike uh, like a spike ball on a chain, and he starts to rotate it, like spin it around himself, and he'll also bounce around the room at a random random direction. So I had him first aim at the player because random random behaviors to me are less interesting than predictable behaviors in general. Mm-hmm. Broad generalization there, but right. uh, so then he also th- like throws out his spike ball, which is nice because it's kind of like a warning to you, like you know. <laughs> you better get out of the damn way. <laughs> um, Pain is coming. Yeah. So then uh, then he stops and he's got this dizzy phase and, and he summons all these zombies. So I did two changes there. One is he um, he stops and he'll do like an action pose, which probably won't make it in for, the, for this beta, but it'll look really janky until it looks great. And then um, <laughs> I also did a, I, I made a change to the graves in the cemetery room, which is kind of weird. Um, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> good talk uh you yes, know what we could do talk. instead is we could um we could put bone piles in there as well yeah i think that's probably the, be- the better solution because uh well one the zombies when they die often spawn skeletons anyway yep and so i feel like it's a nerf to the encounter to make them sometimes spawn skeletons oh it is it, it's, a, it's a nerf for the light uh realm and it's a normal <laughs> No, I think it's a nerf for the death realm too because in the dead realm, if it's a zombie, oh. you have to kill the zombie and it potentially has a skeleton. Now it's just a skeleton, which is weaker than a zombie in the first place. Gotcha. Sometimes so it's kind of like a nerf across the board. Word. All right, well, I'll make it so that he's got um, bone piles and graves and he causes them both to fire off. Anyway. Um, and then was that all I did? He had another phase. Didn't he have another phase? No, I guess that's it. Well, he has the two whirlwind phases, kind of. Like, I call one swing and one whirlwind, right? He has the whirlwind one where he runs around the room swinging his mace at a constant radius. And then he has another one where he sits at a specific spot and swings it around in, like, an ever-increasing radius. (laughs) You said two... What is that called? Uh, the, The repetition of sounds. Man, I cannot think of words today. You said... um. (laughs) <laughs> the one where he whirlwinds around and like woy 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 these are another thing with s's anyway it was funny okay if you say so i do i'll take your word for it take my clever use of words for it that's right or something uh anyway good stuff so uh the last piece in the puzzle i've already done uh, a character design for the zombie warlord now i just have to draw it 20 more times how many more times? 20. Oh, that's not so bad. 20. You should, you should get out of that. Yeah. I've been putting that on. I, I got to that point where I'm like, okay, I did all these changes to the Zombie Warlord. I put all his polish hooks in place and like I did all of his animations and everything and ironed out all the rough edges, made some tweaks. Here we go. I'm good. And I did the character design. And I'm like, great. He's, oh, now it's just a bunch of grunt work. Like, <laughs> I wish we could hire an animator. But no. <clears throat> Maybe someday. So yeah, I've just been kind of kind of putting that off because like that's gonna take probably three hours of just solid tablet time, and it's like after this big block of time, I'll be like, okay, close one ticket, as opposed to <laughs> other bursts of you know productivity where I can be like, man, I closed twelve tickets in the last two hours. You know, like I love that. I really like that ticket you have for, uh, or at least a thousand ticket um, for doing a cool sound when he summons all the zombies rise from your grave yes something like that yeah i was thinking something um i wish i had a <laughs> i shouldn't say this as a person who, person who has a has a podcast uh i wish i had a better voice <laughs> no but you know like like when talking to tim last week he's just like the i'm sure a lot of it is just that i think his accent is great so like if you're from the uk you're like what he sounded normal like shut up right yeah. your your accent's more interesting it's all relative right but he ha- he also has that like deep like baritone kind of almost gravelly. I I don't know. Whenever I uh, try to do like some narration or any kind of stuff like we did for the Kickstarter video, I just I want to I want to shoot my voice in the face. You know what we'll have to do? I'll have to get all horse Blair and then <laughs> record some some boss sounds. How do you, so? What is the key to horse Blair? Do you have to like not get a lot of sleep? I don't know exactly. You should not pick the... up smoking. That's right. <laughs> I'll just I'll just have like a pack of cigars or something. You're just chain smoker. <laughs> well, okay, I'm ready to record. 
There's a new game coming out called The Wizard's Lizard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's pretty good. Mm. I need to go to the doctor. That's right. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but you should, yeah, you should get Horse Blair in on that. I'm sure he's got a, a great baritone. I think we could put him in the credits as, like, voice acting. Voice acting Horse Blair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's right. Wizard's Lizard. Anyways. That's right. <laughs> Um, you want an inside look at game dev this is how it is it happens with coarseness and um long stuff yeah (laughs) anyway uh what else we got you did some crap (laughs) i did some crap bone piles Uh, let's see oh i distributed the blueprints across zones cool um so uh, when we originally added the blueprints they were crazy hard to get to in this uh crypt I was like, what the hell is that zone called? So if you don't, because I didn't remember. If you don't remember, we added b- blueprints in the last build or two. And essentially what they are is entry points for having more items in your shop, in your town, in right. Amberfall. So like when the game starts, you have a small amount of money, like a thousand gold. And there's like three things in your town you can buy and you can't even afford them. So as you're playing the game, you find hostages and you rescue them and they give you more money to start with. And then you might have enough money to buy stuff in your store. But if you want more stuff in your store, with which you can choose to purchase, you need to find blueprints in the game. So right. there's your explanation. There's a high level. Yeah. Uh, something I saw on the forums today, actually, um, I think David was asking about where did all the townsfolk go in the town? I feel like that's the name of a song, like a country song. Where did all the townsfolk where go? Where did all the townsfolk go? Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, I think you know. I don't, I don't know. I removed them. You removed That's them? That's what I did. Yes, I did. Are you going to replace them with people when you've rescued them or something? Yes. Are there going to be like yes, 100 people in that room? No. It's going to be divisible by something. So like every time you rescue five, you get one more or something. You know, um, my wife was telling me recently about this study done on um, women and how they are perceived in groups. And so if uh, something like if, if you have a group of people and your average person looks at it and the group of people is like man, woman, man, woman, man, woman, every other, they'll think mm-hmm. that it's predominantly women. And if you have a group women. of people where it's like, you know, something like three men for every woman or something, but just more men, right? right. Um, then at that point, if the distribution is uh, something along the lines of like a quarter or a third or something, then it looks even to people. But basically, it's like, for some reason, it's, you know, it's another, it's another one of those things where it's like, yeah, man, the default human is a man or something. Right, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So anyway, what I'm saying, so, is, Jeff, is don't do like, here's a man, here's a woman, here's a man, here's a woman, because that's BS. We're not having a female. No, I'm kidding. You can totally do it. You know, accurate, accurate population representation is <laughs> We wrong. actually have, uh, it's, it's decent. We have, we have females and we have, not, like, not everyone looks just standard white or whatever, so... We're doing okay. You should actually have like a round robin list probably and it just picks them up like one by one. So it's even distribution. It does. It does do that already. Oh, well, carry on then. Yes. Anyways, yeah. Uh, as you rescue more hostages, your town will be more populated. Nice. Um, and I haven't quite added that yet, but it's it's coming. So right now the tavern is completely empty regardless of what you've done. But your plan is people will, like more people will be in there as you rescue more people. Right. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to distribute it across both, like, of the main town areas. Oh, okay. I see. So, like, um, like as you get more people, area both of those well. rooms will start to fill up. Right. I might do, like, one for every three or something. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what feels good. But I might also put a cap on it so that, like, you know, <laughs> after you play the game for, like, you know, several months, like, you won't have... You walk into the tavern, and it's like wall-to-wall townsfolk. <laughs> 200 sprites. Right. Frame rate is like 10 frames per second. Um, so you, I did a lot of item rebasing. I went through and kind of bulldozed axes and daggers, kind of rebased them, took a new approach. There's still complaints about them. I don't know. They're hard. It is hard, yeah. It's... um. It's interesting uh, because there's a lot of, I guess, constraints, right? Like, 
the daggers especially i feel like are in this weird place where they're hard to get right because they're basically swords but since you fire two of them they do half damage right and as we talked about before you can't like bump up their damage to half like half again as much as swords because it won't really have any kind of discernible effect on the game right Uh, because we have like these monster healths that kind of step in like five increments right so really like the biggest the smallest change you can make to any weapon is about five damage yep for it to be noticeable for it to be noticeable right like um it'd be pretty interesting i feel like the like oh go ahead i would say the the pattern uh, the spawn pattern of the daggers isn't enough of a buff to compensate for the nerf to their damage right is like the root of the problem yeah you could have a weapon that did um like 14 damage probably somewhere around there and it would feel exactly like a sword for all intents and purposes. You would never notice any difference. But it would be 40% more effective against a boss. Right, yeah. I think that's the thing about the daggers right now is um, maybe they're just destined to live in this situation where like they're really good in very specific circumstances. Like Daggers are great against mobs of skeletons. Yeah. Or really mobs of a lot of things, right? Yeah. Um, but they're really weak against bosses. Mm-hmm. Whereas something that, you know, had like 14 damage versus a sword would be a lot better against a boss. Right. Almost 50% better. It's because you're shooting two daggers at a time and only one of them hits the boss and the other, by the time it gets to the boss, the other weapons already hit him. So he's got a grace period. And so the dagger just kind of goes through him harmlessly. Or it just misses him completely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the two. And that's true for most enemies, right? Like, that's why the double daggers is kind of not the best weapon for any single target enemy. Because even if you're, like, even if you hit them with both daggers, only one does damage. So every time you fire, you're really only doing five damage. Right. But it has increased firing rate, which you think would help. But maybe the grace period in the bosses, or not the bosses, but the grace period is so long that it kind of negates the benefit of a fast firing weapon. Maybe. The Anyways. grace in and of itself is a thing that we have a global setting for. I think it's something like 250 milliseconds. So, like, the default is anything that's mortal will get grace when it takes damage and it lasts a quarter second, I think, is the default. And mm-hmm. we've got some craziness going on. Like, uh, individual monsters can change that setting for themselves. And usually our tactic is we decrease it for stuff like bosses or stuff like fluff or uh, containers you want to open because, like, there's... It's not really important that you have, you know, um, like, a, like a good combat set up with, with a barrel. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> if you walk up and just smash the crap out of it and it opens right away because your weapon is badass, that's fine. You know? It feels better, actually, when you're just like... Yeah. So we decrease yeah. the grace period for certain destructibles and stuff. Um, and then, correct me if I'm wrong, but weapons also have the ability to modify that property as well. Right? Boomerangs? Or is that taken out? Uh no, no boomerangs modify the stun duration so there's also like a, a very similar stun duration oh right there's stun and Cause, grace because <laughs> grace is like how long before you can take damage again and stun is you know how long you're stunned after you get hit yeah I was getting those um, mixed up so boomerang doesn't do anything with grace it only messes with stun. no it doesn't but it stuns things longer than usual but that's another um, that's another metric that we've had to balance and keep in harmony with everything else is grace and stun right. and health and feeling and it's hard, Games it is, are hard. so uh i guess the upside is that we're you know we're still going to work on daggers and hopefully get them to feel great but it might end up being that daggers are just one of these weapons where it's like they have a specific use and you know crowd if control. you like them for that specific case great what crowd Dynamo control, control. <laughs> oh crowd control yeah. yeah yeah like they have a specific use and if you like them for that use great if not then you know pick something else right <laughs> But we will try hard to, to make sure that everything is attractive as a weapon. Yeah. Because uh, that's just more fun. Um, you did uh, session tracking. Yeah. So we kind of have had these metrics for a while about like, oh, you cleared like this many rooms and you killed this many monsters. You picked up this much gold. And I don't think that we were ever really happy with that just because those metrics aren't that interesting and they kind of promote play styles that we don't think are the most skillful and right? these things expose themselves when we launched that challenge a friend feature during our kickstarter which we kind of mm-hmm. just cut from the game at some point but it was basically like um you 
you and an opponent, so it was like me and you playing against each other, you get the same seed, so you're fighting the exact same dungeon. But, <clears throat> sorry, the, the metrics with which we were measuring who played better weren't that great, like you were saying. Because it was like, who cares who collected the most money? I want to know how you played, which is like, it was basically how fast you go and how much damage you take. Because what ended up happening is that, like, when one of us would play with the intention of getting a high score, like, you would go to every single room, you would uh, unearth every single zombie, kill every zombie to get the kill count, oh, make yeah. sure you hit every room to get the room count, make sure you picked up every last bit of gold. Oh, yeah. So. Like, you'd kill the boss and then go back through the dungeon and just scrape it for gold because the me- the metric we measured you on was gold. And it ended up so being now, lame. Yeah, we're trying to measure on the two metrics that we think are the most skill base which is yeah how long you took and how much damage you took like collect your own items it's fine collect however much money you want whatever like we're talking about just the skill like just just to get through this simulation and those are the two primary metrics is like Mm -hmm. if you do it really fast faster than anybody else and you don't take any damage you did it best like if someone else did it uh just as fast as you did but they took 100 damage or 50 damage or what any amount of damage then they didn't play as well you know Right. Then you have this kind of complication, though, where it's like, what if um, I took a little bit longer than you, but I didn't take any damage? You did a little faster than me, but you took some damage. So at that point, you have to start to have these weights, like a weighting factor on on, the, on each of the properties. And that, that starts to be difficult because um, you have to start with kind of arbitrary values for those. Right. Which is rough, but yeah. It is rough, but I think that there's only two metrics, so I think that it'll yeah. be a little easier. So we should just start, like, you know, when we talk about scoring the game or, you know, comparing your score to other people's, then we should just look at time and damage taken. And once that becomes problematic, then we can <laughs> add more statistics. But Yeah, it could be as simple as two, like, um, the amount of damage that you actually took isn't really that interesting. So it's like, I was playing recently, and I saw I took 140 damage. And I thought it was interesting because I was actually still alive, but I'd taken a buttload of damage and I'd like bought some health potions and stuff to get my mm-hmm. keep me alive and stuff. Um, what might make more sense is like when you take damage, we would just basically not show you that number. Like, oh, you took end damage, but instead we use it as a penalty on your time. So it's like you beat this dungeon in seven minutes and then based on the damage you took, you get a you know one minute penalty or whatever. But again, yeah. that would be arbitrary how you convert that damage into time, right? Yeah, it'd be nice to kind of homogenize those, like basically take one statistic and overlay it over another statistic so that they're one metric. Yeah. Anyway, um, we'll get there. Uh, we also So yep. we, we put those values on the progress scene, and it says cool graphics here, as, as uh, the forum members um, have noticed and like to talk about. <laughs> it is pretty amusing. Uh, and we do plan on doing a... Um, <clears throat> Uh, some some four members actually suggested um, doing kind of a progress scene like Ghouls and Ghosts or similar, and that's that's been the plan for quite a while. Um, I was looking at either Super Castlevania Four as an inspiration or one of my favorites, um, Ghouls and Ghosts. Not totally sure yet. I don't know. I kind of just need to start sketching and see what works and what's easy and all that jazz. Yeah, uh, that'll look really cool. I think one of those. Uh, and a fun fact, the town music that you hear right now, that music was actually composed for that scene, the progress scene. Oh, really? Yeah, because I was telling um, Joshua about that, and he made that. And it, um, we had a need for the town way, <laughs> you know, like the game's been, <laughs> game's been playable for months, <laughs> and there's still no progress scene, but the town needed to be there. Um, so I just, we just used it, and now that's kind of stuck, I think. Um, yeah, it's fine. I think what I was thinking too for the progress scene was more of just a little, like a, um, a singular little ditty, like a tune, not not something repeating. Right, Unlike like the, a little like Final Fantasy Seven battle music. Or something. Yeah, like in or Ghouls and Ghosts, music. it's just like ba 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 da 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 That's it. It's just yep. me going blah blah blah. No, it's it's just like a little <laughs> tune. It's like five <laughs> seconds long or something. Uh, that's kind of what I had um, more in mind, but we'll see. Um, oh, and then also we put more data on the uh, results scene, which is the game over scene. And that data is much more comprehensive. It's like the blueprints you earned. It's the, the new monsters that you've killed, the new items you've found. Is that, is that it? It's basically showing you your progress in the macro game, which is better than like, you know, 
because we don't really have any kind of like progress tied to how many rooms you explored which is why that's a weak metric right because like who cares yeah that doesn't do anything for you in the game no uh but now we're kind of bubbling up like oh you know you added this many items to your museum you picked up this many new statues you found these blueprints whatever yeah Um, oh you rescued this many hostages yeah that's one rescued um townsfolk rescued and treasures on that screen as well i don't know why not sure um anyway we just shoved that data into that screen it looks pretty terrible but the data is there and it's all functional and we'll make that pretty eventually although i don't really have any great ideas for that yeah i don't know i think it's uh it's probably okay just to leave it as a simple list until you have some kind of crazy inspiration yeah i mean not everything has to have like a crazy presentation sometimes it's okay just to yeah. list it as i mean like nicely obviously like count it up and whatever but yeah i might at least like center it vertically <laughs> <laughs> yeah right that's, that's probably a good idea <laughs> yeah I don't know. Uh, it's the state of of a part of the game is a very difficult thing. It's something that we've talked about a few times, but it's um, there. It can be dangerous when something looks like it's shippable because sometimes it just becomes shippable. But it's like your intention from the beginning might have been like, whoa, whoa, this this is all f-ing placeholder. Right. Yeah. And uh, I don't know why I just cursed there. I'm gonna have to cut that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what else did we do? Uh, we made it so room exits have their own visualization now. Um, before, all right. the exits in a given dungeon would look the same. Right. Uh, themed along that dungeon's graphics. Yeah. Uh, but now, we have the ability to like you know make the forest exit in the cemetery look like a forest room and stuff. I was going to ask you about the exits, actually. Do they need to be exactly 80 by 80? They're just uh, objects, right? They're just entities? Yeah, they don't have to be necessarily. Okay, that might make things much easier for me. <clears throat> so, Why is that? well, we did the change where, um, so so previously the environment graphics needed to be seamless with the room exits because the room exits um, utilized the 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 background. So, like like kind of like a door, say like a um, an oval door. Mm-hmm. There's <clears throat> parts in, within that square where you can see the wall where the door would be, right? But with this change, we wanted it to be like, this door looks like it goes to the cemetery, for example. Like, like you're in right. this zone, and this door goes to a different zone, or like in a different environment. And so we wanted, like you were saying, we, we did that change where it's like, even though I'm in the town, and everything looks like the town, this door looks like it belongs in the cemetery. Yeah, you could totally extend the size of the doors so like the frames overlap the Perfect. tiles on either side. So yeah, I'm going to do that. Um <clears throat> Given that we needed it to no longer be seamless and we needed these exits to be their own singular little entities, um, that creates, like, it's basically just a solid square and it looks pretty bad. It, it looks fine right. in an environment where it's like, um, you know, wood walls or brick walls where everything's kind of, you know, sharp angles and man-made and stuff. But especially in the forest, the walls with these harsh, solid lines for that rectangle look um, pretty bad. And it actually caused me to do the forest doors in a different style than the forest graphics themselves, just because I couldn't figure out a way for it otherwise to be completely uh, plantable into any other environment. Mm-hmm. Anyway, long story short, I'm just going to make those um, doors bigger than their little their little rectangles. Right. Oh, yeah. Man, this podcast. I'm making. I've made like three tickets just from our discussions. <laughs> this is bad. We want to be going the other way. <laughs> Fewer tickets. Damn it. More work, less talky talk. Uh, so this is uh, art for bigger room exits. FML. Uh, so uh, another big change that I was working on late last was a bunch of collision stuff um, to hopefully make the game feel oh, a lot yeah. better with regards to like how weapons hit walls and how your character bounces off stuff. <laughs> You're talking like brand new collision code. Yeah, I basically rewrote the collision algorithms uh, for the environments and object on object collision. So like that affects every part of the game. Yep. Everything. Cause you know, there's no, there's no time like right when you're trying to finish to refactor a bunch of core <laughs> collision code. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it should be better uh the approach that i was using before was kind of flawed in a lot of ways and so i basically for the last couple weeks i've been doing like some reading on and off i would just like read about different collision techniques and trying to understand some more advanced math 
it's interesting. I was thinking to myself the other day that collision detection is only complicated until you start thinking about collision response. Uh, because collision response is much more complicated. <laughs> you know, like, And the response is important in the game where you want information about all the things happening so you can message it to the player and polish it and all that. Right, right, yeah. So collision detection is just like, did these two things collide? And like that's a fairly easy problem. Yeah. Uh, this it's like, hey, oh, hey, this rectangle is blue now because it's colliding with that one. Like, okay, easy. It's Well, no, it's not even that. Like, uh, collision detection is just the sole act of discovering which things are colliding with which. Right, right. And then collision response is what do you do about that? Like, how do you push them away from each other? How do they slide along the wall? Like, how do you modify their velocity? How do they bounce? Like, it's a lot of complication. But right. um, I ended up making some changes... Uh, with a little bit of more advanced math. And I actually, I, I solved the weapon bouncing problem in a really elegant way, I think. Um, I've been kind of noodling on that problem for like a really long time, mm-hmm. <laughs> ever since it became an issue, which was always. <laughs> yep. And uh, what, I, what finally occurred to me was that just saying that a weapon collided with a wall isn't good um, because... In the real world, um, the way that a weapon would act is that, like, if you threw it directly head-on at something, it would bounce off, right? But if you kind of, like, threw it along a wall, it would, like, its position would shift. But it wouldn't just, like, bounce off the wall, you know? Right. Uh, so I changed the way that the collision with weapons works uh, in that it only bounces off the wall and, like, becomes a dead projectile if it hits the wall at a direct head-on angle or something close to it. And so... So how do you... Go ahead. How do I what? How do you define what something close to it means? So it's basically um, vector math, which is one of the reasons I was getting into all this crazy math. But the interesting thing is that um, what happened when I revamped the collision is that I was able to discern a lot more information about the collision. So... Before, we had this collision system where it was like, okay, X and Y are colliding. Or A and B, two, two boxes, A and B are colliding. Now, what do you right. want to do about it? Now, I have the ability to detect, okay, A and B are colliding. Here's the area of the overlap in which they're colliding. And then here's a vector normal um, representing the angle of the collision, like relative to the object. And here's how much penetration, the least amount of penetration into the object. And I won't go too much into like the penetration stuff, but one of the better ways to handle collision uh, is to separate the objects on the axis of least penetration. Because before what was happening is that I would always resolve X first and then Y. So our collision code would look like, okay, is it colliding on the X axis? Push it away on the X axis. Is it still colliding on the Y axis? Push it away on the Y axis. And that's why, that's one of the reasons why, like, if you fire a weapon along the left and right walls, uh, it wouldn't have as wonky collision. Because the X collision would resolve first and push it away from the wall, and then the Y mm. collision would work. Okay, um, I was wondering about that. Right, and so, but on the, the top and the, and the lower wall, X gets resolved first, which would cause it to collide and bounce off or whatever. Um, but anyways, the, the concept of, uh, resolving a collision along the axis of least penetration means that you look at both axes at the same time and you push the object away relative to the axis on which the least penetration is occurring. So if, you know, the sword is along the wall, it's probably colliding, you know, only a few pixels into the x-axis, so you push it away on the x-axis, but you don't actually resolve the collision along the y yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've always kind of wondered about that. The um, seemingly random preference of one axis over another that a lot of 2D um, like physics and collision libraries that I've seen have. Uh, even games like uh, like Doom, you look at the source code and it's like, I'm going to, like, they just perform actions on one axis before another. And sometimes it just looks like X comes first because it does. And that's how it was in our code too. And so totally, uh, this actually makes a lot more sense. Um, and that was kind of the first part was this new collision algorithm to use the axis of least penetration and then also uh, to expose more information and the key here um, about 
the weapons is like the collision normal. So like basically what I do is when a weapon collides with a wall, let's say, um, I can, I get a vector that represents the direction of the collision into the object. So let's say that like you're firing a weapon along the lower wall and it collides with the lower wall. Uh, the axis of penetration would be like zero negative one uh, on the um, on the object. And then the object itself also has a vector which represents its velocity. And so you can take those two vectors and you can find the angle between them. And if the angle between them is 180 degrees, then that means that it's a head-on collision. And so I just have some math that says if it's 180 degrees or, you know, some threshold, I think it's like, you know, 90 degrees on either side or 45 degrees on either side, but basically there's a cone. Right. Uh, it creates like this conal effect where like, if a weapon hits a wall uh, within that threshold, it bounces off. Otherwise, it kind of slides. Seems to me like that's a setting that might we might even want per projectile type. Yeah, we could, because uh, then you could do things like, like boomerangs, like slide all over the place, like they'll go around corners or something. Like, I mean, you, you right. could do whatever. Yeah, I was thinking that, like, <clears throat> say a spear, say if it hits, um, heart like it would need to be pretty damned angled or else I think it would mostly just stick into a wall or just kind of like stab it and fall and it wouldn't like slide much. Mm -hmm. But I could see something like, you know, an axe. Anyway, just there being a <clears throat> ability to make that feel different per each weapon would be advantageous because that could be a pretty different feel. And uh, we're all about that. Like, <clears throat> yeah. like uh, that, you know, people of different styles can play the game and be happy. Anyways, long story short, um, hopefully the weapon collisions just start feeling a lot better and uh, it, it, there's probably going to be some bugs because, you know, I just changed a bunch of code, so we'll see. Well, yeah, it's like all the months of testing that we had on that stable collision code. Goodbye. I wouldn't really call it stable, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, and sometimes there's just, like, there's problems that are deep and best solved in, with a rewrite, you know? Yeah, and I mean, it's not I'm, like... I probably changed at most a couple hundred lines of code, right? I mean, so we're not talking about, like... And it's very isolated, right? It's like, we have this very isolated piece of the code that's like, what to do when these two things collide? Like, how do you move them apart? And right. so, to be clear, like, we're only ever talking about solid collisions, right? It has nothing to do with, like, oh, you know, you collided with a grave, or you collided with a monster, or the sword collided with a monster. It only has to do with... Right. Weapons colliding with walls, players colliding with walls, barrels, things that are treated as solid. Right. So it's a pretty self-contained change. Yeah. Nice. Anywho, hopefully uh, you're not bored by all that math. <laughs> math? Math? What? I, I also love that there's more information now available, like metadata. Yeah, we can do uh, some cool polish effects with like some of the additional uh, collision data. Yeah, we actually had to spend some time at one point to um, just get some more collision data out of the code so that I could put um, little wall puffs. I like it when, like, say a weapon hits a wall, I want to see a little spark there or, like, just anything. Anything needs to happen there. Like, <laughs> how about an explosion? <laughs> the nice thing about uh, this, though, is that we can now pretty much extremely accurately position a puff of smoke at the exact intersection where two things collided. Nice. <clears throat> so do we have to i'm surprised that's still working actually is there anything we need to do uh so well i didn't change the api at all so that's one of the reasons that this refactor didn't break things ah. all to hell is that um the way that the engine lets things know about the collision hasn't changed at all i just changed the underlying way it collects that information so uh that new information isn't being exposed up to the polish level yet but you know we could go back in there and do that Right. I just didn't want to break any existing polish. I'm in favor of that. Yeah. <laughs> Matt approved. Matt approves of no breakage. Yes. Excellent. What else we got? Uh, I don't know. That's uh, I think that's the bulk of it. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of changes, and a lot of them I feel like were pretty impactful. Like there, there are changes that when you play the game, you're going to notice. Like. I hope that a brand new collision um, upgrade, like you'll just feel 
like everything will just feel better hopefully yeah i really hope so I, i've been playing with it and it, uh, it definitely feels a lot better it's you know it's much easier to fire weapons along walls and like you don't yeah it feels yeah. great i think so. so what's what's the build like this week because you're going out of town tomorrow are you doing all the build stuff today uh i guess i will well, that means that all my, uh, like the, the, the cemetery boss is going to be super janky right now. Like everything's going to work fine. <laughs> or I hope anyway, but he's going to look like a giant turd. Like he's got one actual graphic that is intentional. Everything else is like, <laughs> he looks really janky. Um, but yeah, next build, he should just magically like, oh, everything's great now. Oh, that's why it's an early alpha. Yes. <laughs> because things look janky. Yes. Um... And yeah, Super Hag is is feeling pretty good, but it's the it's just a giant lurker, like upscale, like it looks. <laughs> yeah, she'll she'll have a uh, hand drawn graphics. I'm looking forward to that actually. Yeah, but the nice thing about the art and the polish is that it usually doesn't interfere with the game, right? It's like right. a just a drop in replacement that doesn't really affect anything totally. else. So yeah, like you can just go play and enjoy and just uh, close your eyes. Right, pretend. <laughs> yeah, close your eyes while you dodge the mushrooms. Yes. <laughs> Awesome. Um, so we're going to stop selling the early access package today, probably. Yes, which will be so if, yesterday. If you're listening yeah, to this. So, yes. so okay. it won't be for sale anymore as of this hearing, as of your ears receiving this. Uh, it'll just be, um, and it's good. It's a sign of us getting closer to launch because we're yep. at the point where it's like we're about a month away. Um, we don't want to sell like, cause it's an upsell, right? It's like you get more stuff with the early access package. And so you're running out of more stuff. Yeah, because like part of the thing is you get weekly builds and blah blah blah, and if there's only going to be you know a handful of builds left, then it's probably time to cut that off. So I'm gonna I'm gonna cut that um, today. Awesome. However, you can still pre-order. So if you haven't yet, go go pre-order because you're gonna save um, three bucks. Yes, and uh, it's looking like you know probably third week of January or so. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait, man! I want to get it out there. You know, like I know there's yeah, a lot too. left to do. I just want to finish the musts, get it out the door, and then continue to tinker away with it while we, you know. I think that we're thing. gonna try and you know provide more long-term support for the game, uh, this yeah. game particularly than we did with other games like Lava Blade or whatever. Because, yeah, you know, I think that launching is just the first step, right? We gotta yeah. like keep the pressure up and try and get it out to consumers and like really we spent all this time building a product we should really you know it'd be yeah. like if uh you know sony built playstation 4 and they're like here it is we're done we're not gonna work on it anymore yeah like uh, no system updates right <laughs> yeah i mean with lava blade it was hard because like it was built i don't know it's kind of a sore spot in our memories you know because it came with a lot of pain and and bad design and you know it was separated by another contract in the middle and it was just it's just this big mess like Whenever it gets brought up, I'm just like, ugh. Like, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Too many bad memories. But, like, a wizard's lizard feels more like something that is worthy of more time. You know? Right. I haven't had the urge at all to go back into Lava Blade and add more content. Like, you, you added some more extra areas, and that's great. Um, but with a wizard's lizard, I'm hoping that we'll be motivated to add some more stuff to it. I think so. And, like, keep people interested and make them feel like they spent their money well and are entertained and all that keep interest up yeah it should be uh should be fun to see how that goes plus like any reason to be noisy uh, and get more eyeballs on the game would be great yeah especially yeah, like you know maybe if some press or something or you know people that hadn't heard about it before or they had heard about it and they just weren't intrigued like oh a new update well maybe it's time to try it so um i think that's all we have for this week um, next week we're going to do the Lost Decade retrospective of 2013 or something like that. Right. But And uh, we may or may not have a very full-featured build next week. No, you're going to be out of town and it's Christmas week and all that. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure there'll be a couple things done, but yeah, I'll probably push it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually wrote an article. It was called, like, um, what it was like making HTML5 games in 2013. Oh, yeah. And it'll it'll include, uh, like, we talked about the numbers. We had graphs and stuff. And um, we'll talk about some of the details of that article on next week's show. How poor we are. Yeah, that's that's part of it. <laughs> that's a bullet point. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, well, thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next week. Have a happy holidays. Ship, Ship it. it. <laughs> Thank you
that's probably good enough. And if not, then who cares? 